0: The FDA recently issued a warning for hospitals and other healthcare care providers to discontinue using infusion pumps by medical device maker Hospira due to cybersecurity vulnerabilities that could potentially allow unauthorized users to gain control of the devices and change medication dosages. Could more cyber warnings be coming from the FDA about security and safety of medical devices? I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today, I'm speaking with Kevin Fu, Associate Professor of the Electrical Engineering and Computer Science Department at the University of Michigan. Kevin will be discussing the latest developments related to medical device cybersecurity. So now, Kevin... What do you make of the recent FDA warning about these infusion pumps by Hospira, And do you think that there will be other warnings coming from FDA about cyber vulnerabilities in other medical devices and and why?
1: First of all, medical devices, of course, are helping patients to lead more normal and healthier lives, and and they do great help to the patients. That said, this particular communication illustrates The challenge the entire industry faces is cybersecurity. You know, Hospira is is a single incident. I expect there will be more in the future because there's quite a bit of legacy devices out there in the market, and there are just so many different manufacturers, all with varying degrees of experience with cybersecurity.
0: So now why do you think it's usually the independent researchers that find these flaws, but the medical device makers seem to not know about them or at least perhaps maybe fail to disclose them or act upon them? What do you think is going on?
1: So it's interesting. I would argue that most medical device manufacturers have some of the best systems engineers and safety engineers in the world. But what's relatively new to the entire industry is this whole notion of some kind of intentional fault or some kind of um, intentional harm for a cybersecurity problem. So... What my read on the situation is that, for the most part, these risks were considered something different from what they're used to designing their products to defend against. So it's not too surprising to me that there will be cybersecurity flaws since many of the devices out there on the market were not designed with security requirements from the get-go.
0: Well, the FDA says that it wants to see better collaboration between medical device makers and independent researchers who look for these vulnerabilities. And FDA also says that as awareness of these sort of issues grows, that they'll probably see more vulnerabilities because there'll be more people focusing on that. Any suggestions for how the medical device industry and independent researchers could improve their collaboration?
1: Now, that's a very good question. It's actually an ongoing discussion in, in many circles about how to improve the coordination of things like vulnerability disclosure. So there are many different responses to that question. One is there there are many different kinds of security researchers. Uh self proclaimed title. Anyone can, can be a security researcher. And and of course it's difficult for a manufacturer who who hasn't been through a vulnerability disclosure process to understand what's likely to happen and how to interact in a productive manner with a security researcher. So usually what I recommend to a manufacturer is that they reach out to some of their peers, other manufacturers. There's a there's a very close-knit community to find out how they have handled incidents in the past and how to establish trust in a report because, of course, it can be challenging to know a real report from a report that maybe doesn't meet the standards of reproducibility.
0: What do you think medical device makers need to do to improve their products, particularly the security of these products? Are there certain kinds of common flaws that are being found in these products? Where are the weak links?
1: I think it would be difficult to say there's one single common flaw, but there there is one problem I've noticed in the field, and that is, there's quite a bit of outdated software in, in the clinical environment, things like Windows XP. I've even seen instances of old operating systems. There's one called IBM OS2 uh, that was popular in the early 90s. The, the problem is that the, the medical device industry is, and in the clinical environment is one of the few places you can find 10 years old malware still active. So that is one area of concern just because of the... Um, sheer number of devices that that depend critically on this old and no longer maintainable software. But the real problem is that devices have a very long product life cycle. These are not web apps. These are not, you know, the kid in the basement making an app and then tomorrow selling it on the Apple store. Uh, A huge amount of engineering thought goes into the design of a medical device. And the problem is security wasn't really on the radar 15 years ago. So you'll see products today where some of their early design requirements were set in stone 10 or more years ago. So it's going to take a while for the marketplace to flush out some of the older designs, but certainly it would not be prudent to continue using these old specifications that don't yet take into account cybersecurity.
0: So that brings me to this question about what the healthcare entities should do if they are using medical devices that are based on outdated operating systems like XP or OS2, besides migrating off these devices, what else should they be doing to keep patients safe and the data secure?
1: John Holomka has a very interesting blog entry on the subject of what should health delivery organizations do when you're told to make good wine out of bad grapes. How do you stop the bleeding, basically? So the uh, hospitals and clinical facilities are are really in a tough spot uh, because it's difficult for them to purchase something that could even have a hope of being securely configured. So there there are typically a couple uh, approaches that some of the more effective organizations are doing. One is stronger procurements. So this is the power of the purse. So some of the larger hospital systems are now demanding very specific cybersecurity requirements before they will purchase a large quantity of medical devices. And I know of cases where hospitals have decided to move on uh, and pick a different manufacturer when another manufacturer wasn't taking cybersecurity uh, seriously at procurement. A couple of other approaches hospitals are taking are um, very much like if you have an unknown disease entering your hospital, isolation. So they try the best they can to isolate medical devices such that if something does get infected, that it doesn't spread quickly. Of course, this is very tricky. It's very difficult to manage. It's very difficult to, you know, let me give you an example. A secure device and an insecure device are not going to have a a giant red warning label distinguishing them. They will look the same. So it's very difficult to to isolate. There is one third front, and it's actually a front that I'm personally working on, uh, and that is improved surveillance, post-market surveillance, and improved detection uh, of oncoming threats. So, for instance, a company that I co-founded uh, has this power outlet, and the power outlet actually detects things like the presence of malware on a medical device, especially legacy devices. So it's one way to protect systems.
0: Now, FDA also has been repeating the message to medical device makers that these makers do not have to get their products resubmitted for approval if they patch software that has an issue, for instance, has this been a big excuse, do you think, from the medical device makers that they believe that, you know, we can't make these improvements when things are found because that means we need to resubmit our products for approval and that's a long process?
1: There are a couple interesting points. When, if a hospital hears a manufacturer claim that they have to get something resubmitted for approval simply because of a patch, um, FDA actually has several published documents saying they expect patches to happen. The real issue is more of an economic one. Um, the reality is it does take real effort and real resources to maintain cybersecurity. It's sort of the underbelly of the software industry. There used to be this widespread misperception that software lasts forever and that it's free of maintenance. We've long since learned that's not true. Software does age because the environment that it is in changes. The threat changes change. The the bugs uh, are discovered. So it it does take real engineering to pump out patches and such. And a lot of this goes back to the early requirements before a single line of software was written. If you don't have meaningful security requirements before you've built a device, you're going to be playing a constant catch-up game of patch.
0: Finally, Kevin, any predictions about cybersecurity and medical devices in 2016? For 2015,
1: I I think we're going to see more and more discussion on how to get better cybersecurity in clinical environments. And as we look into 2016 and 2017, I think we're likely going to start seeing a stream of reports of medical devices with vulnerabilities only because there's such a large quantity out there. And it would be just so surprising to me with so many unlocked and open doors uh, if more problems are not found. But I also think manufacturers are starting to take this more seriously. Not all of them, but there are several early adopters. I've just returned from one large manufacturer that's trained 50 of its system engineers how to do security engineering. So I'm, I'm optimistic that the situation will improve, but it's not going to improve overnight and definitely not by the end of the year.
0: Thanks, Kevin. I've been speaking to Professor Kevin Fu. I'm Marion Kolbasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group.